Oh, that's getting cut. That's, Ooh, that's funny, cut. dude. <laughs> See, okay, all getting cut. All getting cut. Oh, oh dude, you've, lo- you've lost your edge, Kevin. Thanks again so much for joining us here at the Interesting Times Podcast. Uh, I know it's been a little bit of time since we've posted anything. Um, hope everyone's been doing well in the meantime. Um, you know, it's always the ebb and flow with the different things in the work cycle um, as we all experience. So uh, it's just been a little bit of time before we can get back in action. Um, but I'm going to be trying to come back with a quote-unquote flurry of activity here. Um, I actually had recorded um, a full-length episode Uh, last week and that is all edited and ready to go but in looking over and getting ready for the election results in the U.S. um, last Tuesday I reached out to a few old friends of mine some of the sharpest minds I know and actually also quite funny Um, that would be the one and only Chris Tharp and Sam Hazelton Um, they are people I met and got to know quite well while I was living in Busan South Korea Um, and uh, actually Um, Part of our backstory together is we were part of a comedy group um, that did a bunch of open mics and um, called the Ha Ha Hole in Busan. If you're ever in Busan um, and you're looking for something to do and the Ha Ha Hole is uh, having an event, you should definitely stop by and check it out. And I reached out to them uh, to see if they would be willing um, on such short notice to kind of get together and do a little post-election rehash, talk a little bit about the results that we knew at the time. Um, and look a little bit to the future. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great conversation, a lot of interesting insights, we try to have a bit of fun. And just as we had a really good time recording it, um, I'm hoping you'll have a good time listening to it as well. Um, as always, uh, please, uh, if you haven't, uh, think about subscribing to The Interesting Times. Uh, it's totally free, um, and I don't put out uh, a huge amount of regular posts, so you won't have to worry about your email um, getting hit with a barrage of messages and posts and so forth. Um, however, that said, um, I do think the podcast I recorded um, previously um, uh, that is a little bit more of a, a look into political theory and trying to use the political theory of Jean-Jacques Rousseau as a window into our own current times and, and issues um, will be out next week. Uh, an essay I've been working on for quite some time I'm not saying that that makes it good. It's just been a, a bit of a, a slog um, in a good way and in a bad way. Uh, should be coming out soon after that. And I'm hoping to rope someone in uh, to do a podcast with me to kind of discuss that piece. So um, as we move into the winter, I'm not teaching classes this winter. I'm hoping to um, ramp up uh, some of the you know the things we're going to be offering. I also have a few guest authors that I'm trying to chase down to post some essays on the site as well. So thanks to everyone, as always, for your support. I should note that this was recorded on Friday morning here in um, Japan and Korea, and therefore would be about Thursday night 
in the United States, if you're listening there. Um, so the way we discuss the election and the results are kind of reflective of what we knew at the time. Um, there's obviously been some change. Uh, we do know now that the Democrats have retained control of the Senate. But nonetheless, I think uh, pretty much the results you know, were, were in enough for us to um, have a pretty uh, lengthy discussion about them and their implications for politics in the U.S. moving forward. One final note. Uh, this is an unfortunate error, but I had the wrong mic hooked up. Um, my good mic was hooked up, and that was the feed I was getting in my earphones. Um, but my system was actually recording from my far, far less attuned and quality webcam microphone. Uh, it's a bit embarrassing. It's a rookie mistake, but um, you know it's it's fine. But uh, I should note that my audio feed is is a little um, underwhelming uh, and and not up to the standards I normally like to have for the show. Which is, um, despite what anyone may think of the quality of the content, uh, that's up to you. I always at least try to have the sound quality. Um, up to professional or somewhat professional standards. So um, just a brief note on that. All right. Well, um, uh, Chris Tharp is uh, always uh, got things going on and plotting things. And um, I'm going to throw a link to his website in the show notes. So please be sure to check that out and keep abreast of all of his writing and things that he's got going on. He's uh, just, uh, you know, he's a force of nature and, and is uh, such a thoughtful voice on so many things. So please make sure to uh, take a look at his website and some of the work he's done. So with all that said, thanks again so much for listening and let's get on with the conversation. Chris Starp and Sam Hazelton, thanks so much for joining us here at the Interesting Times for a little post-election uh, wrap-up. I guess not a wrap-up, a discussion of, of what we know so far and kind of looking ahead a little bit. Uh, Great to us. be here. All right. All right. Cool. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for coming on in such late notice. Uh, I reached out to you guys just a few days ago. I thought, you know, it'd be cool to just you know discuss kind of what 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 we know so far and and things that surprised us or didn't surprise us and then try to, to look a little bit further down the road in terms of um, how this shakes out uh, in terms of future election cycles and uh, the um, ever crumbling American project more generally um, so yeah let's start with uh, you know mr. Chris Tharp. Well, what what's uh, what's your take what, what are some of your re, uh, reactions to the election well of course like many people as I took in the returns, over the afternoon here in Korea, because of the time difference, uh, I was, you know, basically swept with a sense of relief that, you know, we avoided the bullet because all the uh, you know, the pundits and the prognosticators were calling for a bloodbath. They predicted that the Democrats would, you know, be shellacked, taken to the woodshed. And I, I generally agreed because with uh, the economy as it is and inflation and, uh, you know, a Democratic president who's basically underwater with his approval rating and the weight of history, whereas the president's party usually does very poorly 
in the first midterms, you know, all indicators were pointing to a Republican, uh, you know, a complete takeover. And that didn't happen. The Democrats, it, it, we don't know for sure yet, but they seem to have largely held the line. The Republicans gained, you know, here and there, they solidified their they're already mighty presence in places like Florida and Texas, but they haven't flipped a single Senate seat. And and even though they may eke out majority in the House, it you know, they were predicting 30, 40 seat gains just a couple days before the election. So uh obviously the Democrats can probably check this as a kind of win, though I'm not sure if we should be, you know, breaking out the champagne celebrating that we only we people who support the democrats only lost by a little bit instead of a lot of bit you know what i mean it's like let's you know let's be careful how celebratory we are because the democrats did cede ground uh so right. it's not yeah th- that is the reality and then the yeah, republicans I mean, will probably run the house yeah certainly um the news out of florida was was fairly dim and uh you know i, I guess if you wanted to put a positive spin, it seems like the, the Democrats in terms of the presidential election in, in 2024 can just do a full write-off. I, I guess I guess that's good, you know? Don't yeah, have, You don't want to hang on to old flames, you know? It's kind of better than clean bricks. It seems, like, <laughs> it seems like we're breaking up with Florida. Like, it's official. You know, we're not going to keep having lunches and, like, you know, get back together for a week. It seems like a, a pretty clean breakup. Uh, though I joke, it's a, it's 29 election yeah, I mean, and I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. A lot to leave on the table. Uh, DeSantis uh, won by, I think, 20 points in Florida. But Florida's been trending red for a while. It was purple. But, you know, DeSantis has this. I don't really understand his draw. He doesn't seem very charismatic to me. But he has some sort of dark mojo going on. And and he has such a media presence that people respond to that. I mean, that's why even like these terrible people like, you know, MGT and Boebert are probably going to win their elections. Well, MGT already did. trouble, though. No, but she's ahead now. I think she's going to win. It's it's getting into like dozens of votes. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, nonetheless, like I think she was like a 97, you know, in the little 538. She had like a a 95 out of 100 chance of winning. So the fact that it came to even dozens of votes. That is um, that is heartening. And Colorado has really trended blue, as has a lot of the Southwest and that sort of area, with the exception of Utah. But we also have to look at New York right now. New York is where there were some surprises. New York has really shifted red this election. And that's where the Republicans are probably going to pick up four or five districts flipping, you know, in upstate New York and places, you know, outside of places like Syracuse and Buffalo. I mean, and once you get out of the cities in New York, it can get pretty Trumpy, but uh, pretty much everywhere across the state shifted red. In fact, the governor, Kathy Holchel, only won by... Uh, just three, well, it, it was maybe about four, four points, but it was, uh, you know, this Lee Zeldin guy who was a, a MAGA candidate, a MAGA candidate in blue New York gave her a run for her money. So, you know, we need to like take a look at this sort of upper East coast states and not take them uh, for granted, I think. Yeah. Just to jump in really quickly. I mean, I think you mentioned, we mentioned Florida and both New York, and that's an interesting study in, um, Kind of the importance of, of map drawing and right because in florida DeSantis basically had you know his people had carte blanche and redrawing maps in florida not that that was ultimately decisive i mean that's going to take some time to, to you know maybe never know for sure but they, they a couple of their pickups were um certainly aided by a very um uh, favorable re, you know, redistricting whereas in new york the democrats tried to draw a map there um, got <laughs> taken to court and that map got thrown out 
And yeah. um, an independent nonpartisan group made the map, um, which I guess, uh, you know, in some sense is a good thing. But, if you know, th- but nonetheless, that might have cost the, the, the Democrats at least a seat or two, um, you know, it, it, when it all washes out. Uh, and so that that's another, you know, and, and uh, you know, drawing these lines is, is massively important because it can really, you know, it's not just about um, who votes, but, you know, how lines are drawn around people voting. But uh, let's get let's. Let's get uh let's get Sammy into the mix here. What do you got? What do you got for us, Sam? Uh well, yeah, I I think like both of you, I'm uh also was was uh pretty happy with the results and uh, quite relieved. It was like um it's like that Gandalf moment when they're in Helm's Deep, you know, and he, he slams his staff down. He's like, "You shall not pass." <laughs> uh, when he's challenging Balrog, it feels like we sort of dodged a big bullet. Um yeah, I'm happy. I, I'm a real hardcore pessimist, usually when it comes to politics, um, especially American politics. Um, it's To me, it's sort of uh, rearranging furniture in a burning house, you know? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, in the short term, I'm pretty relieved, and it is good. My spirits have been buoyed a bit. Gen Z seems to have showed up and uh, really provided a bit of a bulwark. Uh, against what was supposed to be a red wave. So, uh, like, I, I think like both of you, I was totally expecting a bloodbath, uh, you know, loss of both house, you know, that, uh, the house and the Senate. And, uh, it still may be that we still, it, it really, but, uh, it's uh, like, it is, we still may lose the house and the Senate. Uh, Warnock mm. is not like guaranteed to win in Georgia in the runoff. So I don't know. Um, but it's definitely going, not going to be, um, well, it's not going to just be this huge red, you know, uh, tsunami that was predicted. Right. Well, when you said bloodbath, I was thinking, you know, in terms of the, my more dire concerns running into this, I mean, you know, obviously the, the more immediate ones were, um, I, I, I wish for the Democrats to do as, as well as possible, um, all things being equal. But um, I started to get more concerned about violence, like people getting shot at polling places, like literal bloodbath, right? Yeah, Not yeah, even yeah. a metaphorical one. And um, and the and the and the and the dog that really didn't bark here is I. I guess maybe I I was um you know somehow persuaded by uh, um media sources that there was just going to be this massive kind of um re- rehash of 2020 where all these votes were going to be like contested and you know. And, and thinking about Pennsylvania, like, you know, that there was going to be people like storming into Harrisburg and, and so forth. And uh, um, that was just a dog that didn't bark. I mean, like, Oz yeah. lost. Everyone's like, I everyone's think, like, yeah, Oz lost. Like, I, I haven't heard people one. people are getting tired of that narrative. Like that, right. the, the recount or like the contested election. Seriously, I think uh, there's a bit of like recount or contested election fatigue going on, which probably we'll talk about with like, sort of the demise or the first cracks in the veneer of Donald Trump, you know, like people are just sick of that. They're just tired of hearing it. I, don't I would be true. careful though of like, you know, breathing a sigh of relief at no violence because remember this is a midterm election and, uh, and the, the, when, when the, you know, the proverbial shit really hits the fan that happens during presidential elections, I think more, that's when real schisms show up because you can really, it's, you know, it's two people for the whole country. It's very concentrated. Um, even though there, you know, online, I see 
all sorts of accusations of fraud, almost always from the right. You know, they have this narrative where if Republicans win, it's the will of the people. If they lose, it's fraud and chicanery. You know, that's uh, it's it's so ridiculous. But also, I, what's happened with the midterms? Gen Z did show up, and also in 2018, there was a massive turnout for the midterms because midterms used to traditionally be lackluster turnout. It was always, you know, people, the media and the pundits would bemoan the American people for not being bothered to show up during midterms. But now, uh, because every each side is so afraid of the other side taking power that people are voting out of fear these days and it's driving up uh it's driving up participation and maybe sometimes i guess fear is a good factor or a good motivation well i mean that, that's goes uh, you know i gotta try out a uh, good old machiavelli here i mean that's why he says you know fear is obviously a lot more reliable than love you know yeah he says you know love like that and then someone's gonna feel they can like cross you because you love them but if they fear you you know so well, no, yeah, i mean <laughs> right, right. um does i mean the republicans or, or the or the right in the united states definitely uh leverages fear uh that that's their primary lever of you know well, well uh, on that on that note i wanted to throw this to you guys because i i think like kind of like taking now we've had a few days to process and i've, I've you know taken a look at a few of the kind of major exit polls and, and that the, the, the better data for exit polls obviously comes in months later but um, some of the initial ones that I, and I think the, the two things that stuck out to me is one, um, abortion uh, was was the dog that barked like as an issue. And, and, and much more so. I mean, this was a whole narrative that the media was kind of really bought into is that people you know, abortion's not going to drive voting. And that just was I mean, that was one of the things that was just flat out wrong. And, and on the flip side. I was convinced, um, though I, I think, you know, Americans can get easily whipped up into frenzy about crime. And almost every poll they've ever taken about Americans um, um, rating of crime going up or down always overstates the amount of crime. Right. There's a kind of almost inward. So I was really concerned that this crime thing, even if it is a little bit of a mania and, and, and there is real rises in crime rate, it's not totally invented, um, was going to be effective. But the um, the Times Exit nationwide exit poll, 11% put crime as number one. And the Republicans really drove that. I put millions and millions of dollars into this. In Fox News, um, I saw some analysis was like crime, 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 crime. They said crime like 10,000 times in the last month, like they're anchors, right? And so, it, you know, in terms of dogs that barked and dogs that didn't bark, I mean, I, I really think this abortion versus crime um, is at least goes part of the way for helping us understand why... Um, the Democrats did a lot better than the the kind of narrative. So I don't know what you guys think about that. Well, when you take somebody's rights away, you know, people listen, you know, it gets their attention. So yeah, I mean, abortion, especially among women and among younger people really motivated them to get to the polls. And yeah, I don't know why it was so, they tried to underplay it. And and I kind of bought it into that too. There, like, people said, "Oh, it's going to be crime," and of course, just inflation, inflation, inflation. It's the economy, stupid. But uh, in the end, abortion seemed to really energize the base, and they did show up. And perhaps that's what really, you know, held the line. That that was Gandalf's staff. Thanks for coming back to that, Chris. That <laughs> cements it. That cements that simile or metaphor into <laughs> podcast. I think the real Gandalf staff was the fact that a lot of these total fucking nutters in terms of like the AGs, attorney generals, yeah. like the Karamos. And th that was the like, you shall not pass. I mean, those, yeah, like that in terms of Sam's uh, taking Sam's metaphor. Uh, Which a was step brilliant. Further, 
it's like it's like it's like that's the that's the post-election metaphor uh, the best one i've heard so far well and, candidate can candidate quality matters and you know a lot of these these maga candidates be, just underperformed you know especially in the house races yeah uh, more than anything uh i i'm not even sure if i'm really gonna like the idea that um that you know, I just I don't have that much faith in the American public. Does does abortion really matter to him? Um, I, I guess so. Uh, I think it does, man. I think I mean, I think the most pernicious thing about that whole abortion ruling. And, and I think there's a massive class element is that like all of those fucks that, that, that were making that decision. And, you know, um, uh, um, as they as they mold that over had full recognition that um, the way they were going to go about this, all of their friends, like, you know, Kavanaugh's friends and his friend's daughters and everyone was going to have abortion access because they're wealthy. They can travel to California. They can travel to New York. They, they can take days off of work. And so they weren't banning abortion for people in their social class yeah, and their social circles. They were banning abortion for people who can't take a day off of work don't have access to those resources, live in the middle of Kansas and can't travel a thousand miles to get an abortion. Um, and, and that was to me the most pernicious thing. Like in some ways, though it would be worse and I, I don't, I, I certainly wouldn't want it to happen. Like it would, you know, like, they, like if they banned it for the whole country, then I'm like, uh, at least you could say, okay, well that includes your people too. And, and it still probably wouldn't because they could go to Canada or Ireland or you know England or whatever. But you know, it, 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 I found that to be really, really low. And I think that, yeah, it's something that affects women's lives massively. So just going back, I mean, my kind of pet theory that I've, I've, I've coined, you know, kind of, uh, you know, um, put together here in the last few days is, and I think it, it, it's not that um, original. Is it the media just gets the media? And I think the media environment, um, the takes environment, as we're sitting here doing a bunch of takes, um, is uh, you got to have something counterintuitive, right? Like, you know, the intuitive thing is, yeah, take like telling a lot of women and, and men too don't, you know, are, are, are uh, as allies are like, yeah, this is fucked up. Like, you know, and telling women that like this thing that's going to have a massive effect on their lives and well-being and in the, in their, in the choices they make um, is not, you know, the intuitive thing is that's going to matter massively. Right. But th then everyone's got to come with the counterintuitive. It's like, but, you know, like milk prices and shit, man. <laughs> you know and like and like you know and like i think that that was kind of the, you know the, the media needs to move on and like the the, the dobbs decision dropped in june and there and then in, in four months of just saying this is important was kind of a boring story and so it yeah. had to migrate to the that's you know that's really important that the media kind of okay you know we'll whip we'll whip people into a frenzy over the summer and then we'll kind of drop it it's not important anymore but the people were still angry even though it wasn't being talked about every day on CNN, you know? Right. Or, or going back to the word we used earlier, fearful. I mean, that's yeah. a fearful thing for, for a, a woman of any age, but particularly a younger woman who doesn't have a lot of financial resources, maybe doesn't have a lot of social capital, um, you know, maybe it is unfortunately, um, you know, the, the father is, is, is a deadbeat. That's really a scary situation. Did yeah, not I have options. I mean, that's fucked up. <laughs> you know, just on a human level, it's just really fucked up. Um, and and I think people, older women can appreciate that even more deeply probably than, than men. And they were just, even if they weren't in a position where they were going to be having children anymore, were like, no, this is really. And you see that in Kansas. Well, you see that in Kentucky. Like even across party lines. The, I mean, it's, I think Chris mentioned it. I mean, when you start taking things away from people like especially americans who like pride themselves on being 
quote unquote, you know, free. Um, when you start taking rights away, even if they're even if they are devoutly devoutly religious or whatever, um, if you start denying them, saying that they can't do this uh, or whatever, you know, that just I think even across party lines, they're just like fuck that, man. Like, yeah, uh, I I agree with you. And also, the Republican Party has moved in a libertarian direction largely over the last twenty years. The re- you know in the eighties, the Republican was, Party was a much more sort of authoritarian sort of law and order and here's you know you know toe the line here are the laws here are the rules but uh part of the sell of especially the republican party in places like the west has been to embrace a lot of libertarian ideas and to build themselves rightly or wrongly as the party of freedom and reproductive rights fall under that and and libertarians support reproductive rights so you get a lot of bleed over within staunch republicans uh people who you know, support reproductive rights. Yeah, this idea, the abortion ban was never, or, or it's not an abortion it's not ban, popular but popular at all. I it's not at all. It was, it's, it's a, a very influential, but minority, uh, you know, a small group of people who have worked tirelessly at the grassroots level to get people in power, to pull the levers, to, to overturn Roe v. Wade, and then do it on the state level, have state bans. But, but largely it's unpopular. And there we're seeing, I mean, even Kansas rejected it like uh, earlier this year. And I think, yeah. And I think there were three, there were three measures on the ballot, at least three during these midterms. And they all passed. They all, they all went the way of pro-choice. Everyone. Yeah. When the machinery just started to get into work to, to orchestrate this, uh, the abortion ban, that was, that was the time when maybe an abortion ban would have flown in the United States. But it took so much time for the machinery to start to click into gear. And then finally, once it comes to fruition and it starts to be operable, now everyone's over it. Nobody wants uh, nobody wants an abortion ban. I mean, really, I don't know what the numbers are, but really, like, uh, I would imagine that it's got to be around 60 or 70 percent the United States that's against an abortion ban. Yeah, and it gets a little hazy depending on how far along the fetus is and that, but but the, that's about the general numbers. But as people said before, you know the the religious right, the the Bible thumpers on this one. Yeah, the dog caught the car. You know what I mean? They got it. Right. And well, now right, what? Yeah. And and a lot of evangelicals, um, obviously, um, as is their right and and should have the right to get abortions. I mean, this you know, I, I read a great interview with a woman who worked at like one of the only abortion clinics when it was open in like Alabama. She's like, yeah, I get you know, devout Christian evangelical women who, you know, she said, I think she said, and, and maybe it's apocryphal, but I, I think this woman was being genuine. She said, I saw a woman who was on the protest line in front of my clinic and like she came in one time, you know, so it's, <laughs> oh, it's really complicated, you know, and that's uh, not, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that to like, you know, um, uh, well, have, have a laugh at that. I mean, it's like Herschel Walker, right? <laughs> you know, well, what yeah, I mean, I, yeah, he, I just I, said I, like, I, I have abortion. sympathy for this. I have sympathy for the woman in Alabama. I, I have no sympathy for Senator Herschel Walker. Um, if Herschel you know, so. Walker, if Herschel Walker wouldn't have had abortions, and his children, his aborted children, could have voted, <laughs> oh, would that have, would have raised or lowered his chances? Right, Jesus. Um, yeah, no, and, and he, yeah, the guy, he's just. Um, I mean, he. And and I think that's a, that's something where you know we, we this isn't all um, rainbow and sunshine. I don't think you guys no none of us are saying that. But I mean, yeah, like the fact that a candidate that bad got you know roughly fifty half of the vote in, in crazy. Georgia. Crazy, yeah. Is, 
Yeah, I mean, I mean he's, that, he's probably one of the worst candidates I've ever seen. Uh, he's the uh, he's the worst ever. I've ever seen. I, I, mean, I can't imagine anybody than, worse other than Donald Trump. <laughs> well, I mean, really? no, I, 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 I will say that like Donald Trump in, in terms of, you know, you take Trump 2015, 2016, like he he was it, 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 like it like ginning up a crowd and like connecting with them. He, yeah. he, he Donald Trump had had like a, 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 a panache that um, I find loathsome and, and awful, but uh, that that was effective. And I didn't see yeah, not, sure. I mean, Walker didn't even have that. I yes. mean, the guy was 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 was, was just I mean. Yeah. So, and and then you have somebody like Warnock, who's just like cerebral and like really just a solid, solid individual. I mean, I that that guy just oozes like he's just a decent, solid human being. Yeah, the fact that they even have to stand on the same dais on a debate stage, right. you know what I mean? That that that, that right. that's even possible. And Warnock had the best, the best quote. I, I he had a tweet something like the day before of the election. He said, "Please don't let, please don't make me tell my mama that Herschel Walker got elected." <laughs> <laughs> that's all that's awesome um so uh well i and i want you know i want to circle back to one thing and then and then maybe go on and and, and do a little um discussion of uh what, what's to come in in, in the looming talking about the clouds over america i mean the 20 2024 is a election cycle which is you know i guess kind of officially kicking off now um it's just going to be a doozy but uh before we get to that i want to i want to go back to this um you, you talked about kind of libertarianism and we talked about in terms of abortion and like when people's like, you know, when shit hits the fan, like when things actually happen, when things cash out, right. That, that's another way, like to use the kind of philosophy term, right. There was an idea of abortion ban it, and it cashed out into like really people like losing. Yeah. Lose, and, and, and I think what's interesting, you know, it, the Republicans out West and other places have this idea of libertarianism, but when, when that cashes out to like, you know, giving tax cuts or like reducing regulations or like, you know, no environmental controls and, and so forth. I think those aren't really popular. And I guess the bigger issue, and I think this is what's going to be fascinating to see. Um, and that's where Trump was able to do a bit of, of jujitsu. I mean, you know, and, and again, it was all a fraud, but frauds work, you know, I mean, that's, that's part of life. And it, it was an effective fraud that in, in the sense that he won, but uh, in 2016, but like, there's just no support, even even just like for for tax cuts, for like I don't think deregulation really hits it. Um, obviously, it's abortion ban. So like all the, I mean, and, and this isn't a new take, but I think it, it, this is a, a re affirmation of that. They just have like these grievances and this in this kind of victimization. Like I don't, I mean, you know, because that was another thing someone pointed out in one of the kind of um, reporters I was listening to is that like. It's one thing to say, yeah, people don't like inflation, but like, and ask anybody, go around the United States right now and, and go ask 10,000 people, imagine you could, what was the Republicans like plan to, to, to take on inflation? I mean, they don't have, they don't have any, they don't have any policies. And, and you can say the Democratic policies suck or they go too far, they don't go far enough, but they have policies. Like, I mean, the Republicans, I mean, like the Boberts and the, and the Marjorie Taylor Greens, and, and in some ways, I mean, are, are like, they just don't have. Carrie Lake, you know, is, is, is seems like heavy on personality and like, you know, and, and so that it seemed like election denying was going to be like one way this, this kind of meta ideological structure could cash out into the real world, but that doesn't seem to be really catching on. I just don't know. So like, okay, Ron DeSantis runs. Right. Um, and like, I don't even know what his agenda is. I, I mean, you know, like uh, uh, we're going to contain the wokes. I mean, I think well, that's another I, way. I, yeah, mean, I, I think mean, that, the, yes, the anti-woke I mean, stuff is like be, a way to try to find a new 
his agenda tangible. It will be personal liberty, uh, anti wokeness, and anti immigration, and that will be enough for a lot of people. And maybe we can do this to segue into our twenty twenty four. Um, just you know what, what what's on the horizon because I I had a discussion with a colleague uh, maybe two or three months ago and we were talking and this was when like you know it, it looked like not many people were going to be riding with Biden in 2024 and um, so we were talking about you know well who comes next and I I said at that time I said well Fetterman does like well you know wins by three to five points in Pennsylvania um, because Pennsylvania is basically like a must-win state for Democrats now. Um, uh, he's got to be on the list. He's got to be somewhere in the top couple. And, and uh, you know, obviously he's he's suffered a, a significant setback. Now, now, like with the stroke thing, like, you know, part of it was spin, but part of this is what I've come to understand is that like this really happens and people can really come back to like 95%. So imagining Fetterman like gets back to pretty much, let's say 95%, just to throw a number out there. Um, and, and, you know, Biden says he's running and, and he had a good night. So, but, you know, I, my suspicion is that, um, as the, you know, if, if we enter a recession or something like that the next year, um, you know, or, and Biden's, you know, a, a bit up there in the years himself, uh, we could see, you know, the sharks, uh, start to circle and, um, you know, what do you guys think? Do you, and just for me, do you think Fetterman is, is in play or, or what other Democrats would you, would you say are in play? If if but if Biden's going to run, then that's a boring discussion. So and because he's not, no one's going to really, no serious Democrats going to primary him um, outside of unforeseen circumstances. So let's assume Biden doesn't run for some reason. Um, what Democrats do you think? I mean, I, I think a full, a, a mostly or almost nearly fully recovered Fetterman has got to be on the top of the list. Well, uh, for me, I, I I really 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 hope that Biden does a run. Like I like. A Biden DeSantis, uh, that's a bloodbath. Like it's uh, really Biden does not beat DeSantis. And I don't and I'm not 100 percent convinced. I think Trump, I think uh, hopefully that's over. Um, it seems like this might be the beginnings of that. It's hard to say. Uh, but yeah, I, I would love I think Fetterman, um, it seems weird to say it now, but uh, I think he has broad appeal. And um, I don't know, maybe the uh, Michigan governor. Uh, Whitmer. Whitmer, yeah, she's great. Um, uh, I think I, I watch out for Whitmer, but Fetterman, no way, not yet. He's just lied in the resume. He's still recovering from a stroke. He, he's going to need to take off the hoodie at some well, point. He wore a suit but today, uh, you know, he, 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 yeah, he, yeah, okay. I, I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think, I mean, I think that's like that would be the Obama trajectory. And I mean, Fetterman has won statewide office in Pennsylvania multiple times. Um, now winning a Senate race. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, he's, he doesn't, I mean, he's great, but he doesn't have the mat. Obama had serious magic, you know, he, he, you know, Obama basically, you know, t went, he took the fast track to the presidency because he was extremely gifted a once in a generation politician. Fetterman's great. He's not, he's no Barack right. Obama. Well, I mean, so, no, I, I mean, I mean, maybe, Obama, maybe down the line. But he's, I mean, I think he, like no one's, I mean, Chris, what, how, how high are you on a Biden like uh, Biden running again. Oh, no, I think Biden, Biden cannot run again. Biden's great. I think most of us kind of understood. Uh, there was kind of this unspoken sort of agreement that, okay, Uncle Joe wins. He gets control of the Oval Office to clean up Trump's mess, to, to right the ship, to give us stability, and to bring sort of decency back to the country. And then he steps aside after four years. I don't think any most anybody envisioned like a, you know, two 
Biden administration. So I I don't think he's going to run. He said yesterday the decision will be a family decision. He's going to be, he's like 82. Uh, He'll be 82 when this is done. He's just, he's doddery. He has, his energy is obviously not there. I love Joe Biden. You know, I, I think he's a great politician and I think he's done a very good job considering the, the mess that he had to clean up and the shitstorm he dealt with, but not, he cannot run again. Cause I don't think, he, I don't think he can win and everyone knows it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. He's just, he's yeah. I mean, too many flubs. He, he's just, he's just right. really daughtery yeah. and fragile. He kind of has that old man shuffle now. And it's like, uh, you know, just let, let, let him, he, let him be an elder statesman that gives advice. He he's had a great run. Well, here's here's my right. here, let me let, I'll I'll start off with my with my kind of um uh operate like I, I talked to my brother the other day and I, I this is the my my Trump take is that it's it's going to be hard and this is why it's it's a it's a I'm going to say it's, it's a vintage like fifty fifty because like you have two core Trump impulses um that lead to him running or not running. I think he's going to announce. I mean, just for vanity's sake, but so uh, you know, he'll probably announce, but whether or not he actually runs is a different story. And like so the, the the core impulse of Trump is to be the center of attention, to be an egomaniac, to like have people praise him, go to these rallies, right? Um and so that's going to push him to run. But he also has this deep abiding fear fear of being a loser. And if he runs and and DeSantis or someone beats him, like losing a primary as a former president is like the ultimate L. I mean, that is like you are like like people yeah, won't even yeah, remember yeah, yeah, yeah. president. He was president. Like people are just gonna remember this yeah, guy is a yeah, fucking yeah. loser, like the worst. And Trump knows. <laughs> I mean, there's something about like Trump. He has this weird self awareness that, that it, when it terms to coming, knowing how he'll be viewed as a loser, and that would push against him. Like yeah, yeah, finding some excuse to to not run. So I, I, I just, I mean, and those are two well-known core Trump impulses that kind of lead in, in different directions. But, uh, but, and I, I think a lot of the party's going to bolt on him. He's because he is a loser. He won in 2016, but he lost the popular vote, lost in 2000, uh, lost the midterms in 2020, huge lost, uh, or yeah, in 2016, he won the presidency, but only on the electoral college. So then in the midterms in 2018, the, uh, the Republicans completely got slaughtered. 2020, he lost decisively to Biden. It wasn't very close. I mean, it came down to a few states, but seven or eight million by the popular vote, and and the the electoral tally wasn't that close. And now, his, these supposedly vaunted midterms, his party completely came up short, and most of the MAGA candidates were rejected. So, I mean, he's. I think he's toast. People are all right, but I, I mean, now, in in in, I think though, one thing we also know about Donald Trump is like once you get once you get fucking you know anyone who knows once you get bound up with that fucking piece of shit guy. Like, there's no easy way of, like, disentangling yourself. Like, you're going to end up fucked, like, totally, or you're going to end up in jail, um, you know, <laughs> or, like, broke. So um, uh, I think, th- you know, because, okay, he runs and he keeps getting, like, because I still think, all that said, um, if he runs and puts his name on the ballot, he's going to, he he's has an automatic 30% in almost any Republican primary. And you get DeSantis in there. And DeSantis gets in, and if DeSantis gets in, I think Youngkin gets in. Another person we haven't talked about, you know, he—I think he's yeah. a better politician than DeSantis. I—I I, I would rather run against DeSantis than Youngkin. Um, I think 
And DeSantis is untested outside of Florida. Everyone knows his name now, but he has he's never done anything on the national I think no, I think Youngkin is is much more slippery in in a way that I think would be effective as a candidate. Um and and well, and then you have you have, you have guys like Tom Cotton, you know, and uh and what who's the guy for the fascist from Missouri? I mean, the thing is, if Trump if Trump bowls ahead, even with a sloppy campaign, because that's another thing people haven't talked about. It's like putting together a presidential campaign is like starting like a, a reasonably large company. Like, and, yes, and yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, you know, and especially Trump last time he ran was president. And that's a lot different. You have all the trappings of office, you have all the resources, you got Air Force One, you got all this shit, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so let's, let's game this out. Like Trump's in, and I think if, the, if, if DeSantis gets in, I think Youngkin gets in and Trump keeps getting 30%. Well, in a, in, in a multi-candidate primary, if he's able to just go to Alabama, get 30, 40 percent, go to – of Republican primary voters, I still think Trump's going to get 20, 30, 35 percent. Well, yeah. So I that, mean, that, yeah. Uh, here's what I think. I think, Yeah, Sammy. I think that um, – and uh, from just the sort of cursory perusing of forums, political forums and whatnot, after this election, I think people are going to start to jump the Trump ship. Like um, – because they see that he's just not a winning brand anymore. And um, it's, I mean, it's been obvious that chickens were going to come home to roost with Trump. Like um, he is clearly, uh, he's clearly only for himself. And the Republicans have always known that. And when it's been politically advantageous for them to exploit that, they exploited it. But it's been, it's short term. And then this election really drove the point home that uh, he's not a winning brand. and. Uh, I think the rank and file, the, the voters, are starting to realize that, and they will jump ship. It's going to be embarrassing. And I think it will happen quickly. Once yeah. once a few rats start scurrying, you know, it, it you get critical mass. I mean, I I think you know, and, and, and we'll have to we'll, we'll we'll have to see on this because um and, and things a lot of things have changed, but um in some ways uh, you could argue that Trump was even more laughable and more toxic as a candidate and more unproven. Um, because he did win in 2016, he came pretty darn close in 2020, um, that all of the official Republican apparatus like mobilized against him in 2016. Right. And, yeah, and, yeah, and for did, sure. And, and, I mean, in, in some ways, um, you know, Trump was, was more vulnerable then and it, it didn't work. Um, so I have no doubt. I mean, the, the Murdochs are already like circling and like, you know, they're, they're, yeah. they're running anti-Trump stuff in the, in the New York Post and all this stuff. So I have no doubt that, like, all the official Republicans, um, Mitch McConnell obviously fucking personally loathes him. Um, I think there's a yeah. ton of Republicans who loathe him. Right. Who have, like, of course. I think probably most. But most of them. But this really. is, I mean, this is the question, though. You know, what we're talking about is and what, you know, all of that, does that translate? Because it didn't in 2016 translate into... Republican primary voters rejecting him, and, you know, because well, he had this momentum then too. Well, I mean, you know, it was kind of this whole new sort of feeling in politics, and he harnessed that. And but he built this cult of personality. That's straight up what right. it is. And, yeah. uh, and you those, know, and his supporters are are they are stalwarts. You know, well, they're cult, fanatics. Cults fall apart. Cults are yeah. uh, like inherently top heavy. Um, yeah, and they fall apart. And like I said, this this shit won't last. Um, we yeah, Trump still yes, I agree that he is still politically somewhat viable, but I think that this election cycle that what we just witnessed is the first chink in the armor, and um, I just don't think that he's going to be. Uh, I, I I don't see him. There's going to be so much machinery uh, 
and so much like sort of back channeling to get him to not run or to sabotage him like no, uh, this time. I could be wrong. I mean, no, I, I think I think that already happened in 2016. Like the full weight of the Republican Party mobilized against him. Um, but I, yeah, but that was you know that was then. This is now. Right. You know, like, um, well, who was he running? It. I mean, his his primary. His, his biggest challenger in 2016 was Jeb Bush, I think. Well, you know, the, there Jeb was Bush actually is, a lot of pretty, I mean, there's Jeb Bush, there was Chris Christie, um, there was, you know, now he's a joke, but at the time, the, the guy from Texas, Rick Perry, there was, I mean, there, they were all legit politicians who had like won governorships and like he, and the thing that, I, why I'm, why I'm a bit skeptical of this, um, that, that Trump will just kind of, uh, you know, his voters will fade is that. Uh, so why I think 2016 is, is a useful kind of template is, is it, you know, we, we uh, if you go back and look at that, I mean, Trump in the, the states he was winning early in the primaries was he was getting 30 to 35 percent. Right. I mean, he wasn't winning 50 percent of the vote in the Republican primaries uh, in, early on in 2016 and really only started to do that after um, late in the game. Right. So I think, you know, if he's able to hold on to that 30, 35 percent in a multi-candidate race, I mean, if it's a two, if it's him and DeSantis, I think he has a problem. But I'm envisioning like I think some other some, you know, Youngkin probably gets in. I think a couple if you get like five or six legit candidates and Trump's able to get 30 to 35 percent, that's exactly what happened in 2016. Seventy percent uh, of 70 yep. percent of voters roughly in the early primaries were all voting for candidates other than Trump. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I. Yeah. I. I sure. I, I. I definitely can see. I can envision a a Trump primary. Uh, you know, him winning a primary. Um. Uh, I think it's going to be way harder for him this time, and I do think that he is in danger of of losing his con- constituency just because. Um. Uh. It, you know. This is. Um. There's been a series of failures. Right. You know, uh that have come in a row where they, they are starting to realize that maybe they got behind the wrong horse and they need to, uh, they need to switch gears a bit and do something, you know, no, go for, for sure. somebody who's, who's a proven winner. And right now, <laughs> DeSantis seems to be the guy who's, uh, the winner, you know, right. Well, the face of the Republican party. And I said, I would, I, I, th- I think Youngkin's going to be itching to get into this. You can only, um, you can't, um, run for reelection in, in Virginia. Um, and you can only serve one term. Right. So that's another thing. So I think Youngkin is going to be itching to get in. Um, I don't think he will probably want to be a senator. We'll see. I, I guess what, what we're really kind of circling around here is, and this is an, a, a known unknown, I guess, is that I think it's pretty clear that Trump's going to, going to have a massive boil down. Right. So like how much salt is in the pot? You know, we don't know. Like the water's boiling and he's going to boil off all the water. But it's like when that salt's left, like what 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 does that lead to? So I, I do agree. Like, yeah, he's going to boil off all people that like, you know, who were just on, along for the ride or there for the power or there because, you know. But so he, I don't he's know. He's not going to go quietly. No, he is not going. To, no, he's not, if, he is not. That, and that's delicious for me. Right. I love it. Yeah. I mean, no matter what. It's, I will relish. I will relish nothing more. Uh, than the demise of Trump. Right. Like well, every bad thing that happens to him, I'm going to love. Well, I mean, uh, have all the way up till when he dies. Have uh, no uh, doubt. Piss on his grave. Have no doubt that. Um, uh, have no doubt that one thing we know about Donald Trump is that, like, it, it, you know, if it comes down to it, and it's like I'm going to burn down the fucking Republican Party as it stands that that's that's been built up around me, or um, I'm going to, you know, or or it comes down to choosing that. 
or helping to ensure that whoever is taking the reins from him, DeSantis wins. I mean, obviously it's option A. And that's got to be troubling. Oh, yeah. You know, he'll, he'll switch parties. Yeah, I mean, for if, sure. If he thought that he could win as a Democrat, he'd switch parties. But I, I mean, once he if he really comes, I mean, you know, it's, it's almost like the wounded dog is the most dangerous. Like if he starts coming to the realization that like people are jumping ship, like he I mean, yeah, we've already seen he, he's going to go full and, and he still has weight to throw around. Um, you know, so that's the whole, I mean, in some but ways, he's like, also getting right. old too. I mean, how old is he, you know, and what's his energy level? Right. Yeah. He's a little bit, he's like, he's, like a, he's, like, he's, he's like 78 I mean, or something. He's, he's like a, a little bit younger than Biden. You know, a couple, how old is Biden? Biden? 98? <laughs> I think though, I, I, Biden, you know, Biden reminds me of you guys. Did you guys yeah. ever used to watch in living color? <laughs> uh, Fire Marshal Bill. Yeah. Fire Marshal. Um, all right, guys. Well, it's been really good uh, catching up and um, uh, hashing out some of this stuff and uh, uh, trodden over some of the stuff. And obviously, we still got a little way to go in terms of knowing the final outcome. But uh, yeah, I, I think it will be the, the next year uh, will be really interesting to see in terms of how the Republican, uh, it seems like a kind of looming uh, implosion in, in seeing what kind of comes out of those, uh, out of those ashes, because I think um, you know, Trump, like it really, you know, I think a lot of people um, have been waiting around. They knew the day would come. Like I, I said, that I, you know, Trump's a known quantity. I grew up in the East Coast, you know, and, and he fucked over a bunch of people in Atlantic City. He's, you know, he's, he's a total scumbag. He screws people over. And everyone who knows Trump and knows his steel going back to the 80s knows that, that this is going to come back on them. And I think everyone is seeing like the clouds, you know, and I mean, it really, I mean, you know, it really is just like a lot of the country is like it's feeling this sense of like massive shine from because it's just like, man, you guys, you, you know, yeah, he's not going to go quietly. Um, he is going to try to fucking rip DeSantis down. Uh, he already I said. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, this is because you get in bed with a guy like Trump. Um, you know, he, yep. he, he got you in the White House in 2016. Um, that's about it. And uh, yeah, now he's just going to he is going to fucking crash and burn everything. And that's his. No. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they made a deal with the devil, man. And uh, that, 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 that shit's going to get cashed. That check is going to get cashed. And again, it, it's, it, you know, it, it's not an unknown thing. I mean, yeah. this has been Trump's MO for 50 years, you know. So like, like, this is not any surprise. Like, this is how the guy rolls. And, um, you know, uh, uh, this is the, they had. Hey, they had their chance, man. Um, you know, I read a good story about Mitch McConnell kind of, you know, thinking about having a moment of courage and then of course advancing <laughs> at the opportunity, unsurprisingly, like if they had fucking impeached him, he couldn't have run that, that like, that's a piece off the board. They actually had it. So it's like, you know, they even had that up to the last minute, the guy fucking like agitated insurrection. And, um, they had, all they had to do is gin up like 67 votes or like they needed like, I guess, 13, 14 Republicans. They do that. They, they're actually yeah, like free, you know, free, lot, free and stress, smart, but yeah, that would have been maybe. Right, but um, they didn't do it. Uh, yeah, but man, I don't know. Well, they, they're afraid of their base. I mean, that they're afraid of of getting primary and losing. Out. You know, right? Exactly. Well, it would have been too. And they would have. Yeah, it would. You know, but um, but they were gonna have. I mean, this is the thing that would have. been I think that would have been an easier pill to swallow. Right in the immediate aftermath of the insurrection, they they would have had a lot more support. People would have been people would have been pissed off for for two months. And then people would have been like, okay, well, he can't run, so let's just move on. 
I mean, that's what would have happened. I mean, it would have been two months of of of, of people freaking out, but it would have just it, people would have been like, okay, Trump, Trump can't run, you know. So what? I mean, it just it literally just takes the piece off the board. But um, that's, I don't know, man. It would have been ugly. It would well, really. It, well, now it's going to be ugly. I think ugly. it's going to be uglier. So I mean, they had they didn't have good options at that point. They were they were bound up with Trump. So like, I guess what I'm saying is that was the the least ugly option because the one they're facing now, where Trump is a live a live wire, you know. Man, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think for 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 the left wing in the United States, this is the most agreeable option. Uh, if they would have impeached him, I think, um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I there may have been some, uh, there may have been political unrest. Uh, you know, there would have been really hardcore uh, Trumpers. It would have been worse than it just normal. Let, let them be rabid. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's part rabid. of the argument well, if, uh, if 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 they're going to be assholes, just like let them be the assholes that that they were meant to be, and that will ultimately boomerang right. against them. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Well, this is uh, speaking. Of, maybe that's a good place to wrap up because uh, you know certainly uh, things are not all great in the republic, um, but uh, you know we, we it does seem that this this uh, inevitable boomerang of, of getting into bed with Donald Trump is uh, is swinging back. And so we'll, we'll just have to wait and see how that Knock on out. wood. Yeah. Knock on wood. Right. Uh, it's still, you know, we've said this. It's not like that's been said before that <laughs> yeah. Donald Trump's political fate. Yeah, I know. Right. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, there's there, yep. there wasn't a viable person like DeSantis on the field. Um, there's, it, 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 there's, the landscape's changed a lot. Um, so I think, again, he, he's the, the classic metaphor of the wounded dog, and that's the, that's the dangerous one. So we'll, we'll have to see. Um, and apparently he's blaming Melania for backing Dr. Oz. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for uh, uh, coming in today or joining us today. And, um, yeah, I will uh, look forward to catching up. And uh, maybe we can uh, uh, catch back up in, like, six or, six or so months and uh, see see what's come of our uh, expectations about the, uh, the post the, the potential, you know, post-Trump uh, uh, contra-temps in the Republican Party. All cool, right, bro. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Peace out. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,